Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, and thanks again for joining. I am always amazed at how many people, when I go to these conferences, tell me that they listen to yours truly here on the NARPM Podcast, and they actually say that they actually learn a thing or two every once in a while. So I'm super grateful for everybody that's listening, and love to, love to hear the feedback. Good, bad, or indifferent, I'm cool with it. So today we have, a, I know I say this every, every time, but we have another great show because we always have all these great people that come on until today, we're going to be having a conversation with Cal Kramer. He's an MPM RMP and he's the co-owner and founder of Avalon Property Management Services based in Marietta, Georgia. Tal's an active NARPA member who has served on the NARPA Atlanta chapter in various capacities. He's currently the chapter 2023 president-elect. So congrats, Tal. Tal has also served on the broker owner planning committee since 2021. So I don't think he's responsible for Vanilla Ice because that wasn't broker owner. So maybe we'll actually ask him about that. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about our hot topic of the day. So hot topic. My hot topic today is C players. I was talking to somebody the other day and they would tell me about, you know, some of the challenges they have with some of their team. And I started thinking to myself, I'm like, man, that, that brings me to a, a, you know, a really crazy story that I have at Empire. But how many of you listening right now, you're listening to this podcast, and as, as soon as I said C player, somebody's face came in your mind, and you know that you have an employee that needs to go, right? Just like you know you have an owner that needs to go or a house that needs to go, you have people in, a, in your organization that need to go, right? And so... I was listening to Keith Cunningham the other day. If you don't know Keith Cunningham, he wrote a couple of great books, Business Thought Leader, and I highly rec- recommend that you start, you know, look at into Keith Cunningham. But Keith had, a, he said, every failure of leadership at its root is a lack of courage. Every failure of leadership at its root is a lack of courage. The courage to say what needs to be said. The courage to have hard conversations the courage to decide what needs to be decided, and the courage to listen. Too many of us want to be liked, especially when we have smaller companies, right? We want to be liked. It's a family, right? Empire is a family. Avalon, property management is a family. A leader's job is not to be liked. A leader's job is to be respected. And you'll never regret getting rid of a C player. You never say, man, I wish we did not get rid of that C, that, that C player, right? So, Every time I got rid of somebody, by the way, when I was starting out, I didn't want to get rid of anybody. It was a family, everything I just said. But when I got rid of that person, I never thought twice. I'm like, holy crap, I wish I would have had insert name here, right? But more importantly, not only do you not regret it, your team doesn't regret it. You actually get more done with less people because you know that C player is a cancer in your organization. And so I got two stories about this. Right, so my first story is I had I had a, a front office 
girl. We'll call her Dana. And Dana was one of those people. She was a C player. She had a lot of issues with family. She would call in sick a lot. She would be late. She wouldn't get her work done. And this is early on Empire Days. I, I might have had five or six people working with me. And I had another girl, Ashley. And Ashley was an A player. She was a superstar. She was my accounting, my bookkeeper. And she did property accounting and, co- and corporate accounting. And at the time, man, I really just could not live, with, live without Ashley. Like, she was a rock in Empire, especially the days when Empire really wasn't as stable as it ended up becoming. And one day, Ashley comes in my office and he hands me her resignation letter. It wasn't that she was unhappy with the, with the job or with me, but she couldn't take it that a C player was there, not, was not pulling her weight, so to speak. And Ashley saw that as a manager, I wasn't doing anything about it. As a company owner, I wasn't doing anything about it because I didn't have the courage to do anything about it. I didn't have the courage to stand up and, you know, have the tough conversation or do what needed to be done, which was, was get rid of her. Because we're so small, every job or every person is integral in a small company and you feel like you can't live without any of them. And all of a sudden, I had to replace a, a top player that I lost. And I got rid of Dana, and I asked Ashley to stay, and she's like, no, she didn't stay. It was too little too late. The next story that comes to mind is, I'll never forget, I had four property managers. I'm giving a speech at our company meeting, and now we have about 30 people working for us. But I'm talking about our, I'm standing up in front of everybody, and I'm talking about our core values, integrity, dedicated professionals who believe in the brand and do the right thing always provide customers with a wow experience and i had these four property managers sitting there and they didn't embody any of our core values and i can literally see everybody in the company like almost like saying like pizza fraud because he doesn't believe what he's saying because we all know that these people don't abide the core values and pete's sitting there talking so I, I, I actually did feel like a fraud it got to the point where i finally you know became a leader and I, I got the courage, and it was right before a Texas-style conference. I'll never forget, like a week before, I, I basically reorged the whole organization, and I, I let go all four of my property managers. And I moved people into those seats, and I called them client relations specialists, which another hot topic for another day. But, man, was that really difficult for us for about eight weeks. We, we were really hurting, lost some clients, made a lot of mistakes, had to pay some money. You know, I call it stupid tax when you when you have to do things that you should have done years ago, or in this case, you know, at least a year ago. But what happened was after those initial 60, call it 90 days, the company was much stronger. The company was better. Uh, initially, right off the bat, the, the company, everybody in the company banded together and we're almost like, finally, Pete, you let these people go and we're going to help you. We're going to take care of this. And I saw people do things that were not their job descriptions, that were not part of their everyday jobs, and everybody helped each other. And Empire, the company, became so much stronger because of that. So my question to you is, do you have any C players that you are, you know, that you do not have the courage to do what needs to be done and and get rid of them? All right, so we're going to be right back after these commercials, and we're going to have an amazing conversation with Tal. He goes super deep into his revenue per door, profit per door. He talks a lot about this stuff. It's going to be really, I think it's going to be really educational. So we'll see you guys after the break. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. 
How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end -end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. All right, welcome everybody. As promised, I have the Tal Kramer here. Tal, thank you so much for joining the NARPM podcast. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. So, Tal, uh, we were actually at the Atlanta chapter had an offsite conference that that you were integrally a part of. So, my first question is, why do you give back so much to NARPM? Because I've learned so much thanks to NARPM. I just can't get over what this organization has done for me, what I see the sharing that everybody does. I'm just blessed that we found the organization. I think it was about 20, oh, I don't know. It's gotta be almost 10 years ago now. And, you know, I, I've been a realtor as well and going over 30 years and nobody wants to share any information with you. They think you're trying to steal their business. And a lot of people know Michael McCreary from our marketplace. And I'll always remember Michael saying our competition isn't each other. It's the 65, 70% of people that self-manage. So if we can help each other get better, let's do it. Right. Well, all boats, all boats rise in a high tide, you know, and so you and I, we started going on a tangent when we were at the conference talking about, you know, profitability, number of doors, all that stuff. And I stopped you kind of mid sentence. I'm like, Hey man, this would be a great podcast. So thank you so much for, for joining here. So I'm going to kind of frame the questions that we were talking about that evening so that we can have everybody kind of eavesdrop on the conversation we had. How's that sound? Absolutely. So, you know, when I go to any property management conference, whether I'm a vendor now or when I was a property manager, the discussion always kind of migrates to how many doors do you have? Right. And so always, Always right, and and of course, you know. So, in your opinion, what's more, what's the most important? Is it revenue, profit, or door count, or do they all kind of in, integrate? Integrate. Well, they do integrate. I mean, revenue is the most important. You know, a lot of people, especially if you're smaller, I think they feel intimidated by that door count question, and it's like, I can't talk to you. You have six hundred, and I only have seventy-five. You know that kind of stuff, but. I think it's very important to get a basis, a perspective, to be able to learn from each other. I remember, you know, I've, I've taken classes from everybody. I, I'm a big believer in education, and a lot of people know Robert Locke. And I remember one of my very, very first classes with Robert when he said, what you do at 50 doors is going to be quite different than what you do at 100, and what you do at 150 is going to be mm -hmm. different than at 100. 
and and so forth and so on. So I don't have a problem with the basis. What I have a problem with is that not enough people do focus on that revenue per door. So what what do you think a good revenue per door is? I I would say you got to be north of 2,500, but there's so much space to have much, much higher revenue. You know, I'm sure we'll get into some details, but I mean, we we're over 4,000, 43, well, actually for 2021, we're over $4,300 annually for each door. Wow. Um, you know, that's, and, and you don't have to nickel and dime people. You just have to have good business models and be willing to implement things. But, you know, we, we acquired, last year we acquired a small company and the woman's comment, the owner was, I just want my nights and weekends back. Well, once we evaluated it, she was barely earning a thousand dollars a year per door. Well, of course she was working like a dog because she didn't have revenue to sustain having staff and software tools. That's right. So <clears throat> 4,300 per door per year is your revenue goal. Or So that's, that's amazing. I know when I, I looked at a couple of franchises, a couple of years ago, and they were saying like 2,300 is a good number. So how do you get to, because look, revenue solves lots of problems, right? If, if, you, if you have enough revenue, you can pay some bills, you can make some cuts and, and, and reduce some expenses. And then revenue, you know, obviously turns into potential profit, right? So tell us a little bit about what you did on, uh, on how to get to that door count, because not that door count, sorry, to get to that revenue per door, because it's not just like, like you, what, what you, you had told me when we talked, it's like, you don't just create programs just to create programs, right? Everything is built, you know, to, to better the, the client uh, or the resident. So tell Absolutely. me your philosophy and how you, and how you did that. And how long did it take you to get to that level? Sure. Well, you know, let, let's start with this, that, you know, we, it's kind of unusual. We, we actually have our mission statement on the back of our business card. And, and that mission statement says, we two sentences, we achieve success through honesty, integrity, ethics, and caring about our clients' needs and concerns. And the second sentence is, we measure success by having clients that refer us to the people they care about because they value our services. So, in our industry, there's lots of discussion going on in sessions that are being presented at conferences about fee maxing. And, and I know the intent is to help everybody generate more revenue, but I don't personally like that term because fee maxing tends to give the impression of, of you're, you're being one-sided. You're only talking about the value to your side. And that doesn't fit with our philosophy. If you're generating fees like you know, we're talking, uh, everybody knows second nature now. They talk about win, win, win. If you can get that triple win that you're providing value to people, then that's a benefit. If you're making money at the same time, that's the benefit. And I'm particularly proud that you know, we've got close to 100 five-star reviews on Google and, and half of them are from the tenants. So it says we're giving them good service, even though they're paying for things. Right, right. So when you look at a potential fee, what is it, uh, what do you, what do you, how do you break it down and say, okay, this is a fee that I'm going to implement. And do you implement fees for owners and for residents or do you just push them more to residents? What's your philosophy on that? 
we have we have grown much more on the tenant side on the revenue than the owner's side. Let's face it, owners are shopping and a, quite a big percentage of them are just shopping for price. So, you know, you don't want to you don't want to nickel and dime people. There's if you do it right, there's a lot of nickels and dimes you can collect, but you don't want anybody feeling like you're just creating fees. So, you know, we provide value with those fees and everything that we do does have a markup. I know there's some people that won't do a maintenance markup. I don't see why not. Your staff has to process that invoice, has to pay the bill. You have work to do. You don't have to be greedy about it, but have a reasonable margin for that effort you're putting in. And the same thing should apply to everything else you're doing. The owner wants you to pay their HOA dues. Sure, we're happy to do it for you. Here's what our standard margin and is. And the cost is, yep, yes, and the price is. <laughs> right, you know, we're happy to do it. And, and you know, a lot of times I'm very honest with people to say to them, well, I'm always honest with people, but a lot of times in this event, <laughs> I'm very honest with them to say, like sometimes the whole thing about utilities, should they turn it on between? We're happy to turn them on between. And here's what our additional fees are. And it'll save you money if you do it yourself. So it's your choice. You want, you want the convenience, pay for it. Now, one of the challenges that I had when I, when I owned my PM business was I had all these lists of potential fees, but because there was no automation, one, the team would have a hard time like getting on board with the fee, I guess. And two, because without automation, we had a hard time remembering to actually create the fee uh, in the system. So how do you get around to those obstacles? That really has not been an issue for us. You know, we use Appfolio and as long as you put it in there, you know, your leasing fee, your renewal fee, whatever it is, as long as you have processes to to do this. Now, about it's less than two years ago now, we, we moved to Lead Simple and all of my paper checklists are now processes in Lead Simple. But as long as you have even if it's just a paper checklist that you check the box, okay, we added the renewal fee to the tenant charge. We added the renewal fee to the owner charge. I mean, th there's a simple example on revenue. A lot of people, they'll charge the owner a renewal fee. Why not charge the tenant a renewal fee? You're processing something for them as well. I'm not saying if, which has to be larger or smaller or equal, but again, why not? And when you ask me about, you know, my philosophy on it, if I go to any of these conferences or classes or whatever, and I hear about something, it just doesn't make sense. Is it going to benefit all three parties? Is it going to benefit the tenant, the owner, ourselves? And then how quickly can I implement it? If you come back from a conference, you think, man, I got this great new, you know, fee that I'm going to implement and the team, the team doesn't buy in. How do you get? The, do you have? A, how do you get the team to buy in, or or is it just they've always they've always bought in because they've seen it work now so so well? Well, first things first. I I don't like, and it's just semantics. I don't go to a conference and hear about a new fee. I look at it as a revenue opportunity. A fee to me goes back against to the whole concept of people calling fee maxing, mm. taking advantage of somebody. So I'm looking at it as a revenue opportunity. Um, but when we come back, uh, look, we're small. We started out, it was just my wife and I. Now it's my wife and myself and our, our son, and we have some staff. 
Um, and, you know, my, sometimes the biggest roadblock is my wife does all the accounting and handles it all. And it's like, hey, we're going to do this. Wait a minute. I'm not ready to do this. Mm. <laughs> so, but we get it all done. Yeah, just you just put it on the board and uh, and you do it when you can, right? Like you, you do just it put as, as, a goal. as quickly as you can. Um, there's no question. It's it, having ideas and not implementing is is just a loss of revenue. That's it's, it's that simple. I love that. Having an idea and not implementing is a loss of revenue. That's brilliant. I, I like that a lot. So if I'm listening to this and I'm kind of new, maybe I'm at that 60, 70 doors or, or less. Uh, when do you, when do you recommend that we start implementing some of these? I know I call them fees. You know, I call them fees. So, but but some of these pro processes that so that's a triple win. We'll uh, we'll give Smallwood a, a shout out uh, for coining the term. There you go. For some, some well, triple win. let's go back to it was it was last year at Broker Owner. I was fortunate to be on a panel about profit and revenue, and one of the first things is I stood up at my portion and I said. If you're tracking your revenue per door, please stand up. Now there must have been, I don't know, I think we had 600 attendees at the conference. I think that was a main session. We had about probably at least 450 people in that room. And I said, if you're tracking your revenue per door, please stand up. I bet you more than 50% of the room didn't stand up. Oh, wow. So that that's the very first thing is you can't implement things if you don't know where you're standing. I remember when I first heard about this in 2015 is when I first started going back and saying, what's my revenue per door? And in 2015, I was at $1,822 annually. I wasn't looking like most people talk about it as, as what's the revenue monthly. And I get looking at it monthly, but from a business standpoint, I can look at it annually and still figure things out. But it was then what I did, it was interesting as I said, okay, for the people that are standing, if your revenue per door is over 1000 a month, remain standing. Bunch sat down. Over 2000 a month, remain standing. Bunch sat down. Over 3000 a month, there were only three people standing in the room. And I said, is anybody over 4000 a month? And they sat down. And that's when I said, our revenue last year was 4320 for the year. And it just, so first things first. Start tracking it. No matter what you where you're at in your business, ten doors, five hundred doors, figure it out. That's the first thing. So what gets then, measured gets done. Yeah. Right. And and then from there, I, I think your your question was I've, I've already forgotten your question about uh, where do you how do you implement that? Well, let's let's stay on this train of thought because this is great. So the first thing that you should be tracking is your revenue at at your, your overall revenue, and then you can easily, you know how many doors you have, so your revenue per door, per unit, however you want to break it down, that's the first thing you should be looking at because now you can move the needle. That's right. right. And we're not talking about profit, and we're not talking about expenses or that's anything right. like that. Just at least know how much money you're generating. Right, from, from property management, right? And, well, let me, let me ask you this. Do you do real estate? Do you do realty as well? We do sales as well, but it's in a separate company. We don't include it okay. in, in property management at all. Got it. So the property management stops at the kind of the leasing, right? Not the... Yes, okay. totally. Okay. So now... And we're all, by the way, we're all single family, condos, townhomes, no multifamily. No multifamily. Okay. No Perfect. commercial. Perfect. 
All right, so now I, tra I track. I get the first number. So I finally, I finally get all my stuff together, and I get the first number, which is my revenue per my revenue total revenue. Then I get my next number is revenue per door, which just becomes super math easy. Now, do you? How do you break that down even further? Do you look at it uh, a little bit further than that? Oh, for sure. You, now you got to look at what are the sources that are generating that revenue per door. Okay. You know, obviously management fee. There, there's probably the biggest for everybody. Okay, so you break out management fee separate when you can. And well, I start breaking it down from there. I've probably got about, you know, I, I could I could rattle off the list because I've got a sheet in front of me. And, and this is in the order of most revenue, what percentage of the total revenue. This is in the order of yeah, the this highest. Would, this would be great. We're going to get we're going to get detailed down here. So if you're listening, this is this is going to be great stuff here. So, OK, so I have my total revenue. Okay. Now let's break it down. Yeah. Okay, management fees, 35.8%. Oh. Lease commissions, procurement fees, whatever you call it, 14%. Maintenance markup, 9.3%. Tenant benefit package, 8.6%. Credit contingency fees, some people call them risk mitigation fees, 6%. Tenant early termination fees, 5.2%. Master landlord insurance, 4.1. Pet fees, 4.1. Renewal fees, 2.5. Application fees, 2.4. Late fees, 1.6. Admin fees, owner admin fees, 1.6. Tenant service fees, 1.6 three more tenant loss discount fees 1.3 move in move out tenant fees 0.8 percent and owner startup fees 0.6 percent wow so you have it all broken out and then from there you can actually break out uh, out of your 4300 per year you would know the percentage of owner fees and the percentage of resident fees because you have everything broken out you just have to sure. add them up right yeah. So like the management fees, you know, we're 35.8% of that. Whereas most companies are typically 50% or more. I was going to say over 50%, right? 50, 60%. Yeah. And, and I forget who, <clears throat> I should try to remember who I heard this from, but you know, if you can get your management fees down to being a smaller percentage, that's going to make, obviously means your management fees are going to be more competitive to earn more business. That's right. You know, I, I heard years ago, like we, at some point, we're going to get down to the zero dollar management fee. At some if point. you're making enough money on all the other fees, you can do that. You know, and then a lot of people will look at it. Well, I can't charge for this and I can't charge for that. Well, if you've got a high management fee, if you're 10, 11 percent, I don't know, you know, we can't talk specific numbers. But if you're up in a high management fee, then sure, you can choose to absorb some of those things in that monthly management. But yeah, a lot of people I, I, shop on the management. I think there's two uh, there's two schools of thought here, right? One is I'm going to go with a higher management fee or I'm going to go with a three-tiered kind of model and my higher tier is going to incorporate some of these fees that we have and a lower tier is going to be more a la carte, right? Type type stuff. Yeah. I I've I've looked at that, I've heard that, I've taken classes from people that do the tiered approach. I'm not saying right or wrong. It's just an extra layer of complexity 
that I don't want to put in our system at this point because now you were talking before. Uh, I heard a podcast recently from somebody that does audits. How many people have fees, but they don't charge the fee or they don't know when they don't charge the fee? I'm going to even increase the odds of something like that happening if I've got three different layers that each have different fees. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. You know, I'm, I go back and forth uh, on this. So let me ask you this. If you were starting a PM firm today, what, what pricing structure would you create? Would you do the three-tiered model or would you stay with no. the, uh, you would stay, with, stay the, with the single the, tier, the single tier model and then just, just build the, the process. And now that we have technology like lead simple out there building a process, one of the tasks could literally be create the fee, right? A absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm a big believer. I used to write computer software for a living and the old expression, keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a big believer in that. I don't need to add layers of complexity. Yeah. And that's what I, that's how I look at the multi-tier. I used to be a computer programmer myself and fellow I, nerd. I, oh, a fellow nerd. And uh, to be quite honest, even when I was building my systems at empire, I, I over-engineered them. Like my business partner would be like, dude, like, what are you trying to do here? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, you know, but I'd over-engineer them. And I can see that. And I'm a big fan of, you know, if the, if the software, you know, Appfolio, Propware, whoever you're using, has it where you can easily build in the, the, if it's a bill and you just build a bill and it happens every month and you could build that. So it happens, you do it one time automatically. You know, it charges the lease fee. It charges the, you know, it, the, more, the more it can do automatically or at least you know your lead simple sends you a task and then it's an auto task sent to you and then that person has to manually do it i get it but if you don't have checklists or automation and so it's really hard to implement those fees in your system when when you don't have a process and right well when we used to and, and i don't know what your development side was like but it's like when you're developing software when you're writing software you better have a good written plan that you're going to write up into the code because you know if you've got a bad plan to begin with you're just going to have bad software when you're done you've got to know get, have that structure and organization and and i guess because i do come from that technical background and believe in that technical background you may find this surprising but when we first got in the business and only had 25 doors I still went with Appfolio, which at those days had a 200 minimum. And I'd say, okay, so I'll pay four times the door for the software, but I want better software that I can grow into instead of trying to be cheap and just get what I can work with today. And then I'm going to have to go through a conversion at some right. future date. Which, which everybody loves to do, right? Converting <laughs> softwares. That's like my, that's always on my favorite, my favorite list. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely, I mean, you have to, you want to run a good business, you've got to find the right tools. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to spend the dollars on those tools if, if they're going to make your business better. Yeah. So now you have this broken down. Do you look at these numbers quarterly, monthly? And do you build projects around increasing, decrease? Like, do you build projects around how do we get more of these numbers? Or, or do you look at how do I add more to this? Or... or or none of the above, and then when something just happens, you just kind of, oh, this is a great thing to implement. What's your, I'm what's your always trying to find ways to increase revenue. I don't, you know, I, I look at the numbers. I don't look at them, you know, monthly. I should look at them more frequently than I do. I know that. But 
I, the numbers are not going to change. In other words, most of this is static in, in terms of, you know, Especially, percent, especially percentage-wise, because if you bring in more doors, it doesn't matter. Right? Revenue goes up, but the percentage is still spread out. That is correct. The, the, the variable expenses, which we cannot control, like pet fees, for example, well, what percentage of your tenants have pets? You know, that can vary year to year or month to month. What percentage of your tenants are you charging that risk mitigation fee? You know, what percentage are going to be late? So I don't focus on right. that, but I, I'm always looking for where I can generate additional revenue. Surprisingly, with all the revenue streams that we've got, there are others that are left that, for example, we are only right now, starting March 1st, we are now monetizing the pet screening score. We just charged an upfront fee and we charged a monthly fee, no matter what the POS score was. Now we're changing that and that'll increase our pet fees. But, you know, that opportunity has been sitting there for a while. I just it wasn't a priority and it didn't know enough to figure out how to do it well. I've been noodling around and I'm sure it'll get implemented soon. We're going to do security deposit in-house, a security deposit alternative. That'll be a big money maker and jump our numbers even higher. Do you feel that some of, the, some of these projects you can't, like the security deposit, you can't do until you have some volume, correct? You, let's I'll rephrase that from bond. You can't do it till you have some revenue. Okay. You got, you know, it's, um, um, you've got to, you know, I, I actually, in spite of the fact that uh, I'm sure, you know, Todd Orchide is in our market as well. And Todd has his, his, uh, fee course, in spite of the fact that Todd tells me I'm generating more revenue per door than him. I still got his course last month because you can always learn. And, yeah. and, you know, his course, uh, one of the things he said in there was, You've got to treat that first year of collecting those monies as a liability until you have that cushion that then you can start taking draws against that revenue you're creating now that you know you're you have sufficient funds to pay what you're going to have to pay what you know who has statistics as to what percentage of the tenants who owe money pay that money it's different when it's coming out of the security deposit now how what percentage do you have to chase yeah how much is in collections Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing my numbers. I'm being, as I do this analysis, I'm being way conservative. I'm going to assume 50% of them that owe money are not going to pay and it's going to have to come out of our bucket. Yeah, it's, that's being pretty conservative based on what my numbers were. <laughs> well, I'm sure it is, but it's, it's yeah. better to do it that way and have the numbers improve. Don't be overly optimistic. You know, I talked to quite a few people in the industry and I'm surprised at how many of them still have like the three big fees and like, that's it, right? They have like their management fee, the lease up fee and like the lease renewal fee. And I think one of the things that, that, you know, joining NARPM brings is you meet people like you and Todd and, and so many other people who've kind of cracked the code on. It's not just the three fees. You can add a lot of fees, but they're actually not fees. They're actually, you know, benefits to the resident, to the, to the owner and, you and to you and you can literally build your company on this on this revenue by increasing your revenue now you don't have to work nights weekends and and still be able to pay all the bills absolutely and and again because i started with it was just my wife and i initially and we're small and you know i I want my freedom i want to be able to you and i were talking i just got back from hilton i want to be able to go away 
I stress out. It's like if I don't get away every six to eight weeks, I go nuts. So because of that, you start putting in efficiencies and you've got to find the opportunities. And, and then a lot of your, your the fees, as you're calling it, maybe they're smart fees. Here, here's something I put together, gosh, with my own rental property before I was in property management that I picked up from a fellow real estate agent. Whatever the rent is we want to charge, you want to charge $2,000 a month for rent. We advertise it at $2,000. The last sentence of advertisement says, rent quoted reflects discount for on-time payment. Ask for details. And we write up the lease. Instead of $2,000, we write it at $2,100. And the lease says, if you pay your rent on or before the first, you get a $100 discount every month that you do that. Uh, so pay on time, it's $2,000. But on the second, it's $2,100. On the fifth, there's a late fee on top of it. Right. Well, you know, that has so many wins behind it. When do you think we get 95% of our rent on or before the first? Yep. Because we get our funds so much more quickly than most people that they get paid in the first, second, third, fourth, whatever, up until the late date, we can process it all and pay our owners. You know, our management okay. agreement says we'll pay them on the 15th, on or before. We pay them always around the 8th or 9th, depending on the weekend, because our funds have already cleared. We've given the five business days for something to bounce. Why? Because we have that incentive from And somebody misses it once, twice. They don't make that mistake. And through Appfolio, just like other products, they can, instead of losing $100 for the discount fee, they can pay it on their credit card if they wanted to and pay a, you know, a small convenience fee. But like I said before, um, what was that number? Our lost discount, 1.3% of our revenue last year was just people not paying by the first and picking up that extra $100. It's, it's such a win-win because it incentivizes that behavior to pay on time. When you are, when you're looking at implementing a new process like, like this, you know, and we'll get back to that first original question, then we got on a tangent. But so when you're looking to implement a new process, obviously, the team has to support that process, the team has to have an update a new checklist or, or learn a new process, they have to do something different than they did the, the right. day before. Have you ever had team kind of kick back and be like, well, you know, Tal, I really don't agree with insert, you know, process fee here, or whatever it is, like, I'll give you an example. I had one where we were doing an inspection on the property and we were charging the owner for the inspection and then we would charge the resident we do too. Uh, for the inspection. Now, my team just just could not get past, you know, charging both. Like we were going out there regardless and the owner's paying for it. Why would you charge the resident? And so that was one fee that I just ended up or one, you know, one process I ended up not, not doing because I just couldn't get the team to be on board with it. So have you like other other challenge other processes? I, I've I've won the team over, but that was one that really you know was was difficult for us. So how do you do you have like like I guess is it a democracy or is it a monarchy over there with, with your with your company? It, it is a democracy, and and again, we're not your typical structure because the three owners are myself, my wife, and our son. Right. So you know, we'll, we'll chew it out. We'll talk about it. And, you know, whatever the consensus is, we'll come up with it. And, and we, we have not had conflicts about whether or not to implement. 
we might have had discussions about what's the right dollar amount to charge for it. Or when, or when do you when, implement, right? Or when to implement, exactly. Um, you know, I know our, you know, just again, we're talking about this security deposit alternative. And I know our son and myself, we were talking about, he says, well, we've got so much going on. Let's just do this next year. And I just said to him, no, I want to do it now as soon as possible because we have to have that year of accumulating the liability. And I want you to start seeing that revenue benefit next year instead of a year later than that. Because eventually he's going to take over the company. So, you know, we right. want to set him up for success. All right. So uh, before we hit commercial break and we get to the lightning round, what's one, give me one you know, speaking on, on, on fees and revenue versus, you know, door count, give some advice to somebody new. Maybe they're just starting out. Maybe they got, you know, less than a few, you know, maybe 20, 30 properties. What is one thing that's, what is one common mistake that you see that you should, would tell people, Hey, you know, this is something that I recommend you do. Well, at the high level. And this is what all of us struggle with. Find the time to work on your business instead of working in your business. That's a hard statement to make, but too many of us just are dealing with the day-to-day -day reactions and we don't focus just like how many people don't know the revenue per door, how many don't know the breakdown behind it. So I would just say you've got to carve out some time to run your business successfully. And, and the other thing is there's really, in this industry, there's really two schools of thought. Robert Locke once taught it and called it the big agent, the big A or the little A agent. A lot of people came from sales and they're so used to taking directions from their customers who are buyers or sellers that, you know, they have a different plan for every person, you know, it's, and I exaggerate when I say that, but they let their customers run their business mm -hmm. and you can't do that. You, you have a business, you have to be the big A agent. You have to say, this is the way I conduct my business. These are my prices. These are my methods. And I hope it works for you. But if it doesn't, I'm not the right person. Because if you start having structure for person A and structure for person B, you're just going to kill yourself. Oh, man, I'm laughing because like literally I did exactly that when I first started my business. Right. I somebody would call me up and they, they complain about how we do it and I would change it. And then somebody else would call up and say, man, you know, you used to do it this way. And I wanted and I, like and I was literally changing my business for the 10 percent instead of building the business for the 90 percent. And yeah, that's funny. You can't make yeah. you're so busy trying to make everybody happy that you make run nobody yourself happy. into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to be right back with the the lightning round. I hope you're ready for the lightning my round. my flash suit on. That's right. All right. We'll be right back. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com. 
Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant, but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant, but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistance for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. Pest Share, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program, starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bedbugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. Welcome back, everybody, to the NARPM podcast, and we're here for the the lightning round. So we don't have uh, sound effects here at, at the Northburn podcast. You know, we are a non-for-profit. So uh, I make my own my own lightning. That's a lightning sound, by the way, in case you didn't know. That's lightning. <laughs> All right, we're going to ask you a series of quick questions. Just uh, if you want to expand, great, but uh, they're meant to like just kind of rattle off. All right. So does pineapple belong on pizza? Uh, it's okay, but I'm, I came from Chicago and I grew up on uh, sausage, mushroom, and onion. That's my pizza. What book are you currently reading or one that has impacted your business or life? I'm, I'm actually reading mystery type novels. I'm just finished a, another Lee Childs, Jack Reacher book just the other day. Oh man, I'm on his stuff too. I love yeah. his stuff. We'll talk I after. Have Derek, I have Derek Hunter's books still sitting in the package that I need to read, you know, with all the, the great Derek Hunter, with all the great expressions and how to handle objections. So, Oh, Darren Hunter there. from Australia? Yeah. Darren Hunter? Yeah. All right. After this, we'll, we'll talk more about Jack Reacher. So what is one challenge you're currently facing in your business? I think right now is I want to get this security deposit alternative in place. I know it's an opportunity and I've just been too busy working in the business to get it done. What Marvel character do you most associate with? You know, I'm, I'm a big comic book guy. I'm a little older than you, Pete. I grew up with DC and Marvel and loved them and, and, um, I, I, the Marvel characters were, I think, superior, especially the first movies of each one, uh, like Thor. Say, I'll go with Thor. Thor. All right. He, he's a God, right? So in his own mind, what was your first job? Oh my God. My first job working at a Dairy Queen, uh, when I was 14. And I think they lost money that year by how much I ate. <laughs> What is your ideal vacation? Warm. All right. Take me somewhere warm. Other than the NARPM podcast, what is a uh, what is a podcast that you would recommend? 
I like Brad Larson's podcast. I listened to, my mind just went blank. It's, uh, I can tell you in just a second, but my mind just went blank. I know we also I got uh, Smallwoods, the Triple Win podcast is always a good one. Yeah, I listened to, here we go, library. All well, right. yours, I've got that door grow. Door grow, that's a good one. That one. That's Jason Hull. Uh, tell me something I don't know. That's always interesting. Uh, oh, is property that, management cool. show. Another one I listened to. All right. So you got a bunch there. What do you prefer, dogs or cats? Like them both, but dogs. Dog guy. All right. All right. Well, Tal, thank you so much for joining the NARPM podcast, being on the hot seat lightning round. If somebody's compelled that they want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way they can contact you? Email is T Kramer. T is in t my first initial, K-R-A-M-E-R. At mydreamhome.com. Go back long enough. I, I bought that. I created that URL back in late nineties. Wow! Oh wow! T Kramer at mydreamhome.com. Dot com. All right. And if you need to, if you want to get in touch with me, my name is Pete Newbig. Pete at vpmsolutions.com. If you are looking for a remote team member, please. Give us a, a try. Go to vpmsolutions.com. There's over 20,000 remote team members, and it's a free platform for you to find, hire, and pay through our platform. If you, We'll give a shout-out to Pete. We have three team members through Pete's company. Oh, thanks, Tal. And if you heard this and you want to give back to NARPM or you want to join NARPM, please call them at 800-782-3452 or go to NARPM, N-A-R-P-M, dot org tal thanks again for being here thanks everybody we'll see you next time thank you pete this has been a production of the national association of residential property managers the recognized leader in property management along with your host pete newbig ceo of vpm solutions where property management meets global talent the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org. 